I had, um, I was working with the film industry, I was working with entrepreneurs, I was working with a whole range of people, so it was an amazing experience. I really enjoyed the, the lawyering part. Uh, I enjoyed also um, having um, paralegals, um, working with junior lawyers. I really enjoyed in, in that sense all of that. But um, the part that I struggled, it was the business mindset of, of a traditional country like mine. So being a young lawyer, being a woman, was very hard mm. in, in many different scenarios. So I was always finding myself even proving that I know or proving that I, I was gonna uh, do a good job, even to my client. Uh, and also I was struggling with, you know, all this, they, they get a toll on you, all these little snide comments and all the, these microaggressions. Uh, at some point, they're not that micro. So you, 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 you burden yourself with all that throughout days, weeks, months, and years, and then you said, you, this is too much. You're listening to the Rodolfo Rivas Project. My dad has had big conversations with other people around the world and here in Geneva. He loves it and he's all crazy about it. Remember to have fun listening to it, the Rodolfo Rivas Project. Welcome to the Rodolfo Rivas Project podcast. That was Leticia Caminero and I am your host, Rodolfo Rivas. This season is the Caribbean season at the Rodolfo Rivers Project. Like a couple of my previous guests this season, my guest hails from the Caribbean, specifically the Dominican Republic. She is Leticia Caminero, a fellow professional in the intellectual property scene. We have been trying to arrange it for a while and finally got around to it, and I couldn't be happier. Leticia is a lawyer and she holds an LLM from the University of Cambridge. She was also part of the first cohort of the Young Professional Program at the World Trade Organization. As she tells it, the program was integral in her career, and she talks a bit about the selection process and the whole experience. Early in her career, with her entrepreneurial spirit, she started a thriving law practice and talked about the successes and challenges in of following this path. After her stint at the WTO, she joined the Inter-American Development Bank in Washington, D.C., which eventually led her back to Geneva, where her heart is. But let her tell you more about that. Currently at WIPO, she is doing a lot of capacity building work, something she is truly passionate about. By the way, she also has her own podcast, Intangible. You can listen to that after this episode. So, do yourself a favor and listen to this conversation. The Rodolfo Rivas Project is available on all major platforms or wherever you get your podcast. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Please help spread the word by recommending us to your friends or your enemies. A small act of liking, subscribing, and or review is greatly appreciated. Thank you. The views, thoughts, and opinions shared in the conversation belong to the individuals sharing them and do not necessarily represent the views of their employers. Hello, uh, Leticia. It's nice to finally meet you and be doing this. Thank you for the invitation. I'm very happy to be here. In, uh, at the WTO, where you were here for a yeah, few months? Yeah, for a year. A year. Uh, I was the first batch yeah, yeah, yeah. of the young professionals in 2017, and it was amazing. It amazing was a, experience. It was a great experience. It was an experience that uh, led me into the international world. I think that that's, I, that's the objective of the, of the program, and I know several uh, professionals of your cohort, but even afterwards who have managed to, to find a way in through that. So I think that's success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely, it was the door that opened me all this uh, beautiful world of internationalizations, and I'm very grateful for the experience. And being in the center of all the discussions and everything that happens inside the WTO and also in Geneva, it was eye-opening. Hmm. 
Well, I want to talk a bit more about that, but before I also want to talk a bit about you. You're from Republic Dominican Republic. And, yeah, Dominican yeah. Republic. I, I've been... This season, there's many from the Caribbean. <laughs> the Caribbean season. <laughs> oh, that's nice. So there's a lot of flavor. <laughs> yeah. But tell me how it was uh, growing up in, in the Caribbean Republic, in the Republic, Dominican Republic. Well, uh, my country is a beautiful country. It's, it's full of uh, joy, laughter, and most of all, family. So growing up in the Dominican Republic, it was all about uh, my family relationships and, and being um, together surrounded by love. So I, I had a, a, a great, uh, a beautiful upbringing. I have the opportunity to have access to great education and, and to be able to do whatever I wanted with my career, with my profession. So I, I, was, very, I was very lucky in that regard. Uh, but the Dominican Republic, as any other developing country, has issues, right? We have a lot of issues that we're still struggling with and we're still trying to push forward. Uh, but the most important and the most beautiful part of my country is the people. The people are the ones who are always smiling. doesn't matter the price of, of the gasoline, doesn't matter uh, if you got fired, if you got hired, if you, anything that happens, we celebrate. So that's something that it comes, it comes with me and I take it with me everywhere. So growing up there, it taught me uh, how to smile even in adversity. Yeah, it's true. I, I mean, also, I guess it's similar to, to Mexico because mm -hmm. we also, we find joy in the struggle. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And here in Switzerland, I don't see it. Like even if they're not struggling that much, there's not much joy. <laughs> it's a different way. They're more introverts. It's more inwards. Uh, and I found that Latins, uh, are, we're more upwards. We're we're more expressive. So yeah. it's a different way of living. But it doesn't it doesn't mean that they're not happy. It's just they're not as expressive as we are. <laughs> Although myself, I think I'm more more Swiss in that regard, not so expressive, <laughs> but anyway. Um, but uh, growing up, so you eventually went to law school. How, yeah. like how were you inspired to go to law school? Was that something from the at early age or? Yeah, I mean, I, when I was very little, I would tell everyone that I was going to be a dentist. So a that dentist. was my... Me too. Oh, funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I even wanted, I remember that I want, I was obsessed with the Barbie, the dentist Barbie, with all that. Everything was about being a dentist. And what, what attracted you and, to And then in high school, actually, uh, I joined the, the, the UN um, models. Oh, yeah, so yeah. I, I joined, I think it was like second year of, of high school, I joined the UN model and my life changed forever. I mean, I, I got uh, mesmerized and in love with law. And I said, this is something that I really love. And I, I, I was always argumentative. I was always very, very opinionated, let's say, uh, uh, and very much, uh, I had very strong will since I was a, a, a child. So it was, it, 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 it fit perfectly with being a lawyer, right? To be assertive, to uh, to make across, to make your point uh, uh, known. So all that I I was exposed to that at, at the UN models, and I said I want to be a lawyer. And from that moment on, everything that I did was towards becoming a lawyer. So in my country, you have to know French to be a lawyer because we took the the laws from Haiti, see, huh? and Haiti took them from France. So we, uh -huh, exactly, we have the, 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 the so-called Napoleon codes mm. translated into Spanish and somewhat adapted. Uh, so in order to understand the logic and everything behind it, you need to at least read French. So the moment that I realized that I wanted uh, to, to be a lawyer, I started French uh, lessons in, a, in an academy in Alliance Francaise. Uh, so, and, I, and I did all that and I really immersed myself in all the law and I started reading all the books about it, and, and it really, really struck with me. And after that, uh, the first thought I wanted to change the world. <laughs> I wanted to make <laughs> we, the we world. Want. I wanted to make the world. I wanted to remove every injustice in the world and make it perfectly. Uh, of course, that's the the idealistic part. We all we all start like that. I think a bit in law. Uh, then once once inside the career, then you realize, okay, there's some battles you can win, some others you can lose, and some others you don't even get to fight. Yeah. So, uh, and then little by little, I, I, I find my way, and I did, um, um, I worked and, and studied when I was in law school. 
So is that common? Yeah, that's very common. So in my country, um, you usually work full time and and work and, and study full time as well. So I was going to to work from eight to five and then going to university to five to ten. So that was my life for almost four years. Yeah, that's very because that's also the way it was in Mexico, and I did it the same way. Mm -hmm. But whenever I tell someone who like it's not part of that world, like they don't understand it. Yeah, yeah. But I think that myself, I really learned a lot because some of the concepts that you were like seeing and studying in in law school, I used to go from seven to nine, mm -hmm. then I would go to work, and then I would come back to to the law school at I think at four, from four to eight or something like that. Mm -hmm. So all the concepts that you would see in the morning, you would see them at work, yeah. and then you would be like, ah, that's what they were talking about. Exactly. And I find that, that if you don't see that like practical aspect, you can miss a lot. Yeah, because the theory and the practice in law, they, they, they're very much separated, but they go together. So it's, you need to understand them both in order to be a good lawyer. So it's not only going and studying and reading all the books, because once you are in front of a client, that's when really the knowledge has to come into practice and you really have to uh, take all the information they have in your head and make it workable for a specific case or, or a transaction, whatever type of lawyer you're, you're doing. So yeah, I think it's, it's, it's part of, the, of, of becoming a lawyer. You need to work and study. And what were, because when I was also going to law school, and this is changing in Mexico, at least in my law school, but a lot of our professors were practitioners. Mm -hmm. uh, there were a few professors like full-time who were like more academic, but the, the majority of them were uh, practitioners and they would, they would share like, not only, not only the, the theories, but they would share like the little things that say like, you can do this, you can do that. But yeah. in a way that it was like, oh, you, you spend your whole life and then you figure this out and then you're sharing it with us. So yeah, yeah. Was it, it was the same in, in, in Dominican Republic because uh, most of them were either practitioners or judges. Yeah. So even the judges will tell you, well, this lawyer did this and you shouldn't <laughs> do that. <laughs> yeah. And the practitioner will say, well, I did this and, and it worked like that or I, I managed this because there's so many things that are untold. Yeah. And it's all about also um, human relationships that you need to Um, how to address the person, how to do certain things. So all of that is very important to, to be a good lawyer, especially if you're going to be in private practice working with clients because you need to know the business sense but also know the law and understand how to translate law into business and business into law. So it's, it's something uh, that it's, it's, it's very important, I think. And I think we're privileged in that sense. Yeah. In my university, I don't remember any full-time uh, teacher Because um, um, all of them, I believe, were either practitioners or, or judges. Yeah, yeah. So that's very similar, I guess. That uh, in that uh, region, it's it's the way it is done. <laughs> it's the way it is. <laughs> But I like before that you mentioned something about uh, the model UN mm -hmm. because actually I was also part of that when I was in high school. Oh. But it didn't caught me. Like I mean, mm -hmm. I thought it was really nice and I really liked it, but I just thought it was something unreachable. Oh. I just thought like I will never be able to do that. Okay. Like, how was it for you? Like, how did you? And also, like, that is one type of lawyers. Like, most lawyers would be like working in domestic mm -hmm. matters. Like, why did you think that the law would be the pathway to to a career in international? No, I didn't think it that way. I I got I did the model UN and I said, okay, I love law, so I'm gonna do law. But I I never thought about joining the UN or, or being an, or, or working an international organization because as you say it's something that it it looks so far away yeah. from 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 us especially in, in a in a country that is relatively small like like my, where I come from so I, my passion it was about the law in general and it got woken up by the model UN but then I uh, in law school I did another an, another type of uh, extracurricular activity I did the JESUP mm. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's an international mood comp uh, competition. And with that, uh, it really helped me first with my English because my English was conversational. It was like I could have a casual conversation, but in not, not, not in, the, in a fluent way. 
So when I joined uh, Jesup, he really helped me with that because you prepare for one year. So it's like, it's like a, a, an, another subject in law school, right? And uh, with that, I, I, I went to Washington for the, for the first time and I, I, I did my argument. We, we did all the writing, which is very intense, and it really helped me to, to, to better my English. But I did that again with the idea of, because I wanted, I wanted to do a master abroad. So I said, okay, I need to, uh, I need to be more fluent in my English if I want to uh, be abroad and study abroad. So that, that was the, the reason why I did it. It was, it was to, to help myself be better in, in, in the English side of, of, of the, in the English law uh, in general. Uh, so yeah, and, and then it, it really, when I was studying in, in the masters and I, I chose WTO law, because it was, uh, it was fascinating because I already had some experiences when I was a practitioner with some WTO related cases. And I was like, okay, this is, this is very interesting. So maybe I, I will never get to go to WTO, but I will, I will at least understand the law and, and really uh, see what it can do. And because there's also always uh, some um, uh, international trade law that you can do domestically. Yeah. Uh, so I was, I was driven to that, apart from the intellectual property as well. So I thought it was the great complement intellectual property and WTO law. And then I would also the international environmental law. So I did all these three realms, and they were all talking to each other. Uh, and and yeah, it all all with that. I was always with the idea of like I will I will be in the Dominican Republic and I will be a practitioner. Uh, and then I life actually uh, taught me like okay, you need to. I I found myself wanting more. Um, so I was. Let, 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 let me just give you the timeline. So yeah, yeah. I was, because that is, it's, a bit, it's a lot of information. So I did law school uh, and I was, as I told you, I was working as a paralegal. So from when I finished law school, I got promoted in the same firm uh, to become a, a lawyer. So I was an attorney there uh, for uh, about four, four, three, almost four years. And then I, I applied for my LLM in Cambridge and I went to Cambridge. So in the firm that I was working, they, they hold my, my position until I came back. So I spent one year in the UK uh, studying uh, IP, uh, intellectual property, WTO law, and international environmental law. And, and how, how did you get interested in intellectual property? From the because of my work. Uh, of I was, um, my work as a paralegal was in two departments, was in the intellectual property department and also in the tourism and environmental. Uh, department. So, so it was two areas. exactly the two areas that I was already working. And with that, I got exposed to mostly uh, trademark and copyright. That was the also main... copyright. Yeah, because that's not so common. Most of the no, IP it... work done domestically is yeah. trademarks. Yeah, in my country, it since it's IP uh, back then, it was not really uh, has um, developed. So you wouldn't find many more many practitioners on IP. So. Usually an IP lawyer would do Everything. The, the entire spectrum of IP. So I was doing a mostly <clears throat> trademark and copyright, and I, I found it fascinating. Yeah. I found it so fascinating that I did my thesis on it. I did my thesis on domain names and trademark. And, and then I, I went to, to the UK, I studied my master's, and... <clears throat> I went to the UK studying my masters, and it was um, I, I loved it. I loved living in the UK, studying there. It was like why did you pick the UK? Um, because I I was trying to get um, um, I, I was trying to get into the program where uh, Professor Bentley was teaching because I already uh, had his books. So I, I I wanted to I wanted to learn from him. Yeah. So I applied to Cambridge with that idea. And I applied to Cambridge and to other schools, and I applied to um, five different schools. And my safe school, the one that first replied to me, actually rejected me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say the name of the university, but it was uh, also in the UK. So it was like the easiest to get in. Uh, and there was, it, it was, they, it was horrible. They, they thought that you were too good for them. That, that's what people say to me. It's like, well, after you got into Cambridge, mm -hmm. yeah, but the first reply that you ever get is a rejection. It's horrible. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, and, and after that, I got uh, acceptance uh, in, all the, in, in the other universities. 
Uh, and then, as, of course, I chose uh, Cambridge because that was the one that I was aiming for. And then I spent a year immersed in, in, in the life in Cambridge, everything from um, learning, the the, uh, like going to a lecture, to uh, going to seminars, living like the, the student life. It's a, it's a beautiful uh, uh, city. Uh, it, everything revolves around the university, so it's, it's very much um, enriched in that sense. And I, I love that it. it was like the perfect time. It was the first time ever that I, I was uh, in a bike at the street. <laughs> because before that in my country, you, you, you ride a bike only like in the park or, or like in the street in your home, in front of your house. You, you don't do it like to go to places. Yeah, that's how it was. Uh, now it's changing, but that's how it was changing, when I was yeah. growing up. Now it's changing, but, it's yeah. like, uh, it, but it was the first time that my bike was uh, a means of transportation. It was like my... Uh, uh, and I loved that bike. It was uh, it was a horrible bike, but I loved it. <laughs> I also bought a bike when I was in the U.S. and it was stolen. Oh no! <laughs> but it was my means of transportation. It was a way to get from my residence to the to the classes. Mm -hmm. And after that, I had to walk. Oh no! I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a great experience, and I think that for me it was also the first time that I used to, I didn't, I didn't think of it, but mm -hmm. now that you're saying it, it was also that. Yeah, it was, uh, and you know, in the UK, they drive in the other side. Yeah. Oh, wow. That took me a while, to, because you as a bike, you also have to do it in the, in the other sense. So every time I would turn, I will find myself in the wrong sense, <laughs> because when you turn, I don't know why, like something resetted in me when I will turn to either to the right or to the left, I will go immediately to the lane that, that I wasn't supposed to go. So I was always like, okay, Leticia, don't, don't get thrown over. <laughs> but it was, it was a beautiful experience, like everything, um, I only have great memories of, mm. of my time there. And then I came back to Dominican Republic. So I came back to uh, to the law firm that I was working. But your plan was always to to come back. Yeah, yeah. My, I was I was set in coming back. I was I never thought about leaving abroad. I always saw it as a studying abroad, like something to do for like a period of time, but never to to live my entire life outside Dominican Republic, because I I, I was I was very much um, um, determined to to make my life there. And when I came back to, to the R, I find myself in, in the same position. I was the director of the IP department in that moment. Uh, but it wasn't challenging anymore. There was no challenge for me anymore. There was no, uh, I, I didn't feel the drive that I used to have. So it felt boring in the wrong sense. So it felt, it felt um, like, um, even that the cases were somewhat interesting, but I felt like I was out of place. So okay, I said, I said to myself, okay, I need to find something else to do. So I said, well, let's make a law firm. <laughs> oh my God, that's a that's a big jump. Like, how yeah. did you get the courage to to do that? Well, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. So my dad has his own financial firm since uh, I think about it when I was born, and my mom had a travel agency uh, up until a few years ago that she sold it. Uh, so I was, I grew up in a house where um, everyone was their own boss. So for me it was something very natural, that my parents can, can really um, manage their own time, they didn't have to follow any schedule, we couldn't go on a holiday any moment, we didn't have to wait for, for things. And I think the most important part is that we always had lunch together. So they always had time for us to have lunch together. So I grew up having lunch with my parents uh, up until I was in university. So it was something that it was, it, 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 was, it came very natural. So I was 25 when I, uh, when I founded the, the law firm along with other two colleagues. And it was an adventure because as a lawyer, they teach you a lot about law, but yeah. they don't teach you how to be a manager. Yeah, and actually that's, that's very common. And I think that lawyers, they're not wired to be like managers, even like mm -hmm. like the way they teach them, but also like the way they think. Like yeah. it's not a, it's, it doesn't follow that approach. Which it's, I guess it's not you, logical. Yeah. you you got it from your family, but not everyone is lucky to to get like that business side. Yeah, yeah, it was um, it was something that I I think it comes from uh, how I grew up and seeing my parents always. Um, um, doing, you know, the, the working by themselves and, 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 and solving things by themselves. And also I had, I have the support of, thanks to my uh, parents being accountants and, and my brother and, and now my sister-in-law as well. So everyone in my family, they're all accountants, uh, auditors, so CPAs. 
and I, they really helped me on, on the taxes because when, once you have a company, the first thing you need to understand is how to do the taxes because they're going to come and they don't, they don't care if you don't know how to file them, if you don't know how to do it. Uh, so that, that's something that I, I, I had really a lot of support in that sense. So the taxes, all, all the things that you need to um, work around as a company, I had that support in, in, in them, but also I, I had to learn myself. I had to learn how to, um, how to properly do um, the invoicing, how to properly, uh, who, how much to charge and who to charge and all of that and different because you know it's different category when you're providing a service or the type of services when it's abroad the service so all of that little things it, it, that eats you up during the day and so you need to be the manager but you also need to be the lawyer because when you're starting out it's only the people who founded the law firm like everyone else is it's um it's everything is you so from Ah, we need to uh, do the invoice, we need to find uh, a new receptionist, we need to do this, everything Everything you need to do it yourself. And also you need to get clients. Marketing. <laughs> yeah, marketing, marketing get clients, uh, be in all the events uh, uh, that they do in, in order to be, have exposure. So it's, it's, uh, it's, I was working around the clock. Uh, I so was this was, the club. I imagine it was not boring anymore. No, 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 it was, it was, oh wow, oh wow, it was a, a different kind of challenge. It, I, I really enjoyed it. It was a, an amazing experience. Um, I had some uh, lesson learned from getting into business with uh, some people because uh, I learned that not everyone is, not every good friend is a good partner. Yeah. So that's something that you learn through, through experience. And it was, it, no, it was a very enriching experience. And then a few years passed, and again, I was feeling the void. I was, uh, I... But you had a successful practice, it was... Yeah, 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 it was, it was, it was great. I mean, I had, um, I was working with the film industry, I was working with entrepreneurs, I was working with a whole range of people, so it was an amazing experience. I really enjoyed the, the lawyering part. Uh, I enjoyed also... Um, having um, paralegals, um, working with junior lawyers. I really enjoy in, in that sense all of that. But um, the part that I struggled, it was the business mindset of, of a traditional country like mine. So being a young lawyer, being a woman was very hard mm. in, in many different scenarios. So I was always finding myself even proving that I know or proving that I, I was gonna uh, do a good job, even to my client. Uh, and also I was struggling with, you know, all this, they, they get a toll on you, all these little snide comments and all the, these microaggressions. Uh, at some point, they're not that micro. So you, 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 you burden yourself with all that throughout days, weeks, months, and years, and then you said, you, you, this is too much. This is too much. It's like, and it's not something that you can like uh, fight in a particular place. It's everywhere around you, in in everything that you do. So it's and the older I got, the more I realized that it was it was it wasn't really gonna it wasn't really gonna change. And I said to myself, okay, I I either endure this and move on and just see this is how it is, and I have to. Uh, push against all that my whole life, or I find a place where being a woman is is of no consequence. That no one cares if I'm a yeah. woman. Uh, I think, and that's that's the goal of society, like globally, where we should be. Exactly, that no one cares um, my about my age. No one cares about um, anything but my merit. Everything but my work. So, and then I said, well, I, uh, let me. I will try to go abroad again. That's what I thought because I, I remember when I was uh, at, uh, at Cambridge, it, it really felt like it was only about if you were a good student, if you were doing your work, if you were doing that. So there was no all this little comment in the background about things that has nothing to do with you as a lawyer, as a student. So I, I really knew that there was a different way of seeing life. And I said, okay, I need to find, um, I need to find that again. And I said, well, uh, I started researching and I said, well, I can do a PhD. That's something that I can do. It's, it's, it's something that it will be great. So I started researching on that. And then I said, well, I can also try to get a, a position 
uh, in an internationalization, but it's, it's not as easy, right? And so I started applying, applying, and, and didn't get any answers. <laughs> so for like a lot of application, it was completely mute. No one would, uh, not, even, not even an interview was nothing. It was like a few months after, like, thank you for your application has been unsuccessful. It was like, uh, like that for, for a long didn't time. Even get anything. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> nothing. It was like, just give me an interview at least. <laughs> so nothing, nothing, nothing. So that was uh, for a long time like that. And then I, I came across the... the wasn't discouraging? No, I'm a, um, I'm a very determined person. So I know things take time. I know that when you want, especially something like a big change like that, I knew that I needed to be patient. So I was always in the lookout. I was always in the lookout for programs. I was always in the lookout for new positions. So I was always trying to apply and, 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 and get uh, uh, and, and try to get ahead. And then I found... But this that you're saying about patience is because a lot of people reach out to me who want to get into this world mm -hmm. and I tell them how difficult it is. Yeah. And because it's not easy and I, my approach is I want to prepare them for them to be aware that it's difficult. Mm -hmm. And most, they don't come back because maybe they say like, oh, it's too much. It's But too are those who, who are, okay, yes, I want, to, I want to be... I want to go through with this. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones who... They probably stand a chance. Yeah, because you, you, you need to be patient. Yeah. You need to be patient. And be at it. Like, if this didn't work, okay, next time. Exactly. Yeah. And also try to better yourself. Like, okay, it, it didn't work. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe. I, and so I started to do a lot of uh, uh, reach out and a lot of things, like, to make sure that I was, uh, um, that my profile was, uh, was the one that it was supposed to be. And I, also I was uh, presenting myself in the way that it's supposed to be because there's also a lot of, Um, form in, in the internationalization. So if you're not um, using this, the same wording, using the same language, it's very hard for you also to get in. So that's also something that I did uh, uh, try to learn uh, to understand it better and also to, to, to be more aligned with what they were looking for. And this you did like without any... Any advice from everyone? What's no, I didn't own? know anyone back then. I, I was I was completely green. I was uh, I didn't know anyone in that. It was mostly me reading online, looking for uh, for books and and oh, the, you always find information. So I was always trying uh, to find things, and and yeah, I mean I was looking and looking and looking, and I found the the WTO uh, program, uh, the Young Professional program, and I applied. And I said, well, let's see what happens. So I apply, I remember it was in, perhaps I think it was like in the summer or something like that. And of course nothing happened. You know that you apply and then a month, two months, three months have passed and you have no reply. I said, well, okay, maybe it didn't work out. Then uh, I receive um, uh, a reply and they wanted to interview me. I was like, oh, wow. So this is this is amazing. So it's it's uh, okay. I, I, and so I, it's like I need to prepare. I need to be perfect in this interview. I need to be the best candidate in the world. Uh, but in that same uh, time, my father uh, became very ill. Uh, so he he got uh, uh, meningitis, which is a horrible horrible disease. And he was um, in the. We didn't know if he was going to survive. So he was fighting for his life uh, for a very long time, and the the day that I was uh, that I was to that I was doing the interview, it was the day he was moved from the intensive care unit to a normal room. So it was like a very a very almost nervous day because you didn't know if he was going to, going to to be okay. He was going to be better. So it was a very intense. It, a stressful moment. So I, from, from the entire time that he was uh, sick, we would practically live in, in the clinic. And you know, when you're in intensive care, you're not allowed to see the person for, for only for like a very short period of time during the day. So we will see him like in maybe like 15 minutes a day, but we'll always be uh, sitting outside, right. making yeah. camp outside practically of the, of the intensive care unit. So we were doing that uh, for, for a long time. And then I, the, the day of the interview came and it was all, always also the same day he was going to be moved. So we were very nervous about all that. So I went back home and I said, okay, I need to be like one hour center. So I centered myself to, to that hour and I tried to be the best that I could be. 
And I said, well, if it doesn't happen, then it's, it's, it's not meant to be, right? It's, it's not supposed to be. And I, I think I did well because I, I got the position. Uh, but it was, um, it, was, it was a beautiful uh, moment when I received the answer. Because... Um, was it soon after? Or? No, it was uh, almost uh, towards the end of the year. That I, and, and I was supposed to arrive in January, at the beginning of January, to, uh, to start the program. So uh, it was uh, towards the end of the year, and it was uh, the I received the news. We were we, my father was already at home, uh, recovering. So we decided to to go to a restaurant for the first time after he was yeah. uh, after he was sick. So we had like this beautiful family celebration that I, I I managed to get into the program, and it was it, it was very very nice. It was a, it was a beautiful moment. And now my father, he made a full recovery. He's, uh, he's great. He's uh, kicking <laughs> uh, and, and very healthy. Uh, he's, uh, he's a very strong person. So we were very lucky that he made a full recovery because, you know, that it's, you never know with this kind of things. You need to wait, wait it out to see what happens. So at the end, it was a happy, happy outcome. Uh, and then I arrived to Geneva. I arrived to Geneva in the middle of the winter. <laughs> you were not ready for it. Well, but in Cambridge it was not... Uh... Yeah, but you know the UK is never either too cold or too warm. Yeah. It's just, it's like very mild weather. I mean, for me it was cold. I mean, 20, 20 degrees for me is cold. I'm, I'm, I'm already with that winter cold <laughs> when it's 20 degrees. Uh, so I arrived to Geneva. Uh... And a couple of years, I don't know if it was a year you arrived, but a couple of years ago they were like really bad winters. Well, for me it was very bad. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was bad, but it, for me it was very, very bad because it was, uh, and I, I and I put layer upon layer upon layer, and, and I, I was always cold. So I was. And if you uh, brought like because I also when I came here I brought the coats from Mexico which didn't really work here. Well, I I, <laughs> I had some coats when uh, when I was in the UK, but it, they really they, they felt like they were made of nothing. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I have to invest in some good uh, coats when I was here because it was I was freezing, freezing, yeah. freezing, and and I wouldn't give up wearing um, dresses. So I, I would find I would try to find very thick ties that I can wear. It's like no, I'm not gonna drop my I'm not gonna be wearing <laughs> trousers all the time. No, 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 I'm gonna be myself. So I will find a way to wear a dress. So I will always try to find ways to like put like two tights together or things like that. So yeah, uh, you know the. The struggle, <laughs> uh, and then I arrived here, and yeah, I mean, I I was lucky enough to find a great place to live. So I was uh, I I lived the entire year there. It was in Home Saint Pierre, which is I know um, the one in, across from the yeah, cathedral. Exactly. Yeah, I had, exactly, I had a friend exactly. who lived there. It's no, like it, a residence it, for it's for women only. No? It's for women yeah. only. Yeah. yeah, I I found them online. I apply, and they offer me instead of the dorm, they offer me an apartment that they have. So I was sharing the apartment with uh, uh, another, um, another um, very nice Canadian uh, uh, lady, and I, st I stayed the whole year there. And it was great price for Geneva, right? Because we have to put it in the context. It was a great price for Geneva, and it was perfectly located because I was in the center of everything. And in well, that that solved one of the biggest struggles of people who come here to yeah, Geneva. So yeah. once that was like checked, like you could focus on the um, other struggles. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was it was. Uh, I was very lucky to find it very quickly. And I said, well, I, I can start there, and if and I don't like it, then I will find something else. But then when I when I arrived, I was like, no, I'm 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 staying here. This is amazing. And I I I had the opportunity to have breakfast. Uh, um, in the in the dorm side, I can also pay for laundry. They will they will they will do the laundry, and I I, I pay a fee. And no, it was great. I, I felt like I was I was very I was I landed in a, in a in a great place, and it was such a great place. Then I found out later that it turned out that I was a neighbor of my now husband. Oh. So yeah, it was uh, it was fate that brought me there. I, I can say. And yeah, I mean, I, then I spent the, the whole year uh, here learning and, and, and working and uh, it, it was, and it's a great team. I was working in the, in the IP department here at the WTO. So when you, when you applied, you were able to, to indicate like your interest? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, uh, they ask you about your interest and of course, IP. I, I pee forever. I, will, I, will, I think I will make a t-shirt. I pee forever uh, <laughs> because I, it, it was. It's very clear. If you can see, if you see my CVs, it's you. You see intellectual property in in, in every in, in every sense. 
And yeah, I mean, and, and I, I started working with capacity building activity with, with, uh, uh, with so many great colleagues from everywhere. And, and like your experience was like really hands-on? Was it like you were immediately yeah. immersed as, as one of the other professionals here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was great because it, it was uh, the first meeting that I, that I had uh, with my, with my uh, then boss. It was all the things that I needed to do. So it was like immediately, hello, and this is all the things you need to do. So it was, and it was very um, diverse. So I will be doing capacity building activities, but I also will be doing uh, things for the TRIPS Council, but I will also be doing um, some other like uh, researching uh, on, on the IP field. So it was very, very much diverse. And at the end of the year, um, I published a, a WTO paper along with, a, with another colleague. And I, I did, uh, a, a lot of research, I did a lot of capacity building, which is the thing that I really, I found that I'm pa very passionate about, about um, raising awareness regarding how can you use IP to enhance, uh, either to, to develop um, and to, to, make every, to make either your business, your country uh, better. Because I do believe that intellectual property is a tool for development. And working with capacity building, you can really see it in the in the in the works. Uh, so I did that for a year, and it was it was it was great. It was great. And how was the relationship with your other cohort like? From was it like a tight relationship between yeah. them? Like you still remain in touch? Yeah, yeah. We still we still see each other. We talk to each other. Uh, we were five, and funny enough, we were two Dominicans, uh, and then uh, there was a Taiwanese. Uh, Chilean and, and Montenegrino, so we 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 were we were all uh, very much um, uh, very much involved in, in in every sense, and we were also supporting each other. So we were supporting each other uh, um, a lot, uh, especially moving to Geneva, being new, uh, being new to WTO. Uh, also, we were all we were the first cohort, right, of this program. So they were also um, trying things out with us. They were figuring we out were the guinea pigs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and and they 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 really engaged us in a lot of um, conversation regarding how you think we can improve the program. So uh, we really felt that we, we, we were we were like only needs together. So uh, you know it was great. It was great that uh, we we had. Um, we, we had a lasting relationship. And from that, I mean, um, the, my other colleague who's Dominican, he's still in, in Geneva. And he has also, uh, he married and he has a, a kid as well. And yeah, the other ones, they have different paths, but all, all, all remain uh, somewhat in the international uh, forum. And it was, um, I think for all of us, it was a life-changing experience in, in many sense on that. And yeah, I mean, when I was towards the end of the program, um, thanks to Tinder, <laughs> I met my husband. <laughs> and when we met online, uh, like in October, but then I was, I was a bit uh, tired of the dating scene <laughs> because being single in Geneva is not as great. <laughs> it can be a struggle. Uh, especially with the short-term mindset that a lot of people have. Yeah, and also I think the anxiety that that you were going through because your program was also about to end. Exactly. So, so. I, I knew that I either needed to find another position or go back home. Uh, so I was... Uh, and actually this is like something that I also struggled when I was here and mm -hmm. I wish there was like a way, a support system to cope with it because I, when you're going through it, it seems like the end like everything yeah. is just black but you're trying to find something an alternative you try to find a new position and you just can't seem to get through it and you have you're doing it through on your own yeah yeah it's it's it can be very bleak because you think you 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 find yourself applying and trying and trying and nothing comes up uh so yeah i mean i applied to a lot of positions and i did a lot of interviews and nothing came of it and then the, the time was approaching that I was supposed to go back. And I decided, well, okay, um, I'm not gonna, really going to try to have any, any, any relationship because I know uh, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm going back. 
Uh, and then he was very persistent, <laughs> my now husband. He was very much persistent. He would invite me uh, every, um, every other week. He would say, hey, I would like to see you. I would like to see you. And then I would always find an excuse not to do it. Then December came. And the second of December, I decided, okay, yes, I'm gonna, we're gonna, it was a Saturday. So I said, yeah, we, we can meet on Saturday uh, at this uh, restaurant, which was very close to my home. And now I know it was in front of his home. <laughs> I didn't know back then, but now it's, uh, uh, now I, I learned about that. And I said, okay, I, I'm, I will meet you. And the day came and I was very sick. I had, I, I woke up feeling awful with like the flu. So I took some medicine and went back to sleep. The thing is that I don't, I usually don't take a medicine at all. Either, even aspirin or, or, or ibuprofen. I try not to take it because I really, I, I don't enjoy taking medicine. Uh, so I, I let my body heal itself. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't really work sometimes, but this, I, I, I struggle with uh, taking medicine. So whenever I do take something, it really hits me. So uh, I remember that I took uh, some, um, um, anti-allergens and some other things and I fell asleep so you missed completely <laughs> and I woke up with the sound of my phone of te him texting me hey I'm here where are you oh and I was in my pajamas looking like a <laughs> crazy lady and I said well if you wait I will be there uh, uh, in a bit <laughs> in now. a bit for a Latin woman takes an hour <laughs> because I needed to do everything, so I needed to be presentable. Uh, and then I arrived one hour late and I said, okay, he's not gonna be there. I mean, I mean, who's gonna wait for an hour? And he was there. He was there, he was there. And I, I approached him and when I saw him, he, he stand up and my heart stopped when I saw him for the first time. I mean, I, my, my really, my, it, it was, it was nothing like in particular about, I mean, he's, he's a very handsome man, but it was not because of that. It was like, when I, when I make the eye connection, I felt like, oh my God, this is, I felt like the, the electricity mm. in, the, in the second. And he only, he didn't even say hi at that moment. So it was like just a second, it was everything stopped. And I was like, uh oh, <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> and I said, I was, I was, uh, I was so uh, um, determined to be by myself. And now, uh, uh, now this guy came alone and um, this is, I'm, I'm doomed. <laughs> and we had a, an amazing first day. We wouldn't stop laughing, we wouldn't stop talking. And from that moment on, we never wanted to be apart from each other. It was like instant uh, chemistry, it was instant, uh, 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 like a uh, um, feeling of, of, of we belong to each other in a way. And then uh, a week before I was supposed to leave, because I was leaving on the 22nd of December, a week before I was supposed to leave, I told him like, look, I, I have to go back to the art. I don't have any, any job uh, offer, so I need to go back. And he said, no, I, I will join you there in January. And I said, hmm. You know how <laughs> at the beginning of the relationship, like everyone makes every promise and you're like, mm, okay, well, okay, let's like, give me the benefit of the doubt. And sure enough, uh, at the beginning of January, he was uh, in Dominican Republic visiting me, visiting, uh, um, um, getting to know me because, you know, as Latin, you live with your family, you live with your parents until you either die, get married or move abroad. So those are the, the three options, right? Yeah. Uh, so he, he stayed with us for a few weeks and then we will always see each other uh, every month. So he will either travel to the Dominican Republic or we will both travel to the U.S. because the U.S. was the middle ground. Uh, it was easier also for, for, for the flight and all that. And or I will, go, I will come here to Geneva. So with that, we'd spend almost uh, the entire year of 2018 traveling around uh, together because thanks to his uh, work, he, ha he has to travel a lot. So I was always the one tackling alone with everything. But doing all that traveling, I was always applying. I was always applying to jobs, always applying to things, because it was the first time in my life that I was, uh, after finishing law school, that I was without a job. So it was the first time since I started working, back when I was in, in university, that I didn't have a job. So. I had from one side, I had my personal life, it was beautiful, I had an amazing boyfriend, but on the other side, I was 
I feel that I was uh, I was failing because oh my God I have I have no prospect. I keep applying and nothing comes up, and I I cannot go through life not working. I mean this is part of who I am. I mean I am a lawyer, and and this is something that I I really need to do to to feel um, like complete. And I was applying, 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 nothing. A lot of interviews here, there, a lot of interviews here, there, and then. Finally, I get an interview at the IDB, which is the Inter-American Development Bank. And funny enough, I was in a cruise when I got the, the it was, I was in Mexico, uh, and I got the, the invitation for the interview. I said, yeah, yeah, yes. And that day we were supposed to take a tour in a bus to go to Tulum. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was, the interview was at 8 a.m. And the bus was leaving at 7. So we were in the bus at seven, everything was, everything was great, everything was quiet, perfect. Five minutes before eight, the tour guy started talking and I was like, oh my God. So because I was hoping to get the interview in the bus, so, but the tour guy said, you know, the, the typical tour, tourist guy like, hey, this is this, this is that with all the, <laughs> with all the, the energy. And I was like, oh my, what am I gonna do, what am I gonna do? And, he's, and my, my boyfriend says, uh, my then boyfriend says, uh, go into the, the bathroom. I said, okay. So I went into the bathroom of the bus the door didn't close of the bathroom, of course, because why would it, right? So I was <laughs> holding the door with one feet, trying to get a signal because in the bathroom the signal was not that great with, an, with the other one. So thank God that I'm, 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 I'm somewhat tall, so I was, I was, I was like in four legs <laughs> in the bathroom and doing the interview uh, for an hour. Because, you know, the, the interviews are, are never like 15 minutes. It's, it's always like a, and a lot of questions on, on, on law and all the things. So it was a very intense interview. And I said, this is, this is crazy. I mean, if I get this job, this is going to be like the best uh, anecdote in my life. And sure enough, I got the job. I think that I see a pattern <laughs> here. Every time that you have like some pressure on the interview, like you perform really well. <laughs> I, I think so too, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I need to have a life struggle and then I have a great interview. I think, yeah, I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a diamond. I, I force in pressure, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and then I, I got the job and I moved to, to Washington in October. And well, I, told my, I told my boyfriend like, well, I only got the job at Washington, so I'm, I'm moving to Washington. And he said, no, 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 we are moving to Washington. And he, thank God that um, he can work from anywhere. Uh, so we both moved uh, to Washington. And a few months into living there, he proposed. And it was, uh, no, and then from there, everything was uh, beautiful. Um, my work at the IDV was very interesting because I was working with IP, uh, but not mainly. I was mainly working with the access to information which is, was a new realm for me. And I had the opportunity to work with a great boss. Uh, we're still in touch. He's a great, great person. He's uh, from Chile. Uh, and, and also the team itself, it was, it was a very small team, but it was a great team. And living in Washington, D.C. from 2018 until last year was a very interesting time because of the political um, atmosphere, the beginning of the pandemic, and it was uh, we were in the middle of a lot of um, interesting historic developments <laughs> in, in, in D.C. And yeah, and, and, and then I never stopped applying to, to come back to Geneva. So I was always in the lookup, especially for WIPO, because of course that's the, the IP. IP, right? This is where you want to be when you're an IP lawyer. And I applied for, for the position that I have now. And well, that, that interview, there was nothing <laughs> particular on that. I mean, it was, it was a great interview. You know, when you have like a good connection uh, with, the interview, with the interviewer, that you have like a, a great conversation, you know that if, even if you don't get the job, at least you perform well. Because sometimes you're so nervous that you're, you, you don't present yourself very well, or you don't, uh, it's, it's hard to, to, like, to, to follow through, or, or you get lost in your own ideas. But on this occasion, I, was, I had a, a great conversation with the interviewers and I, I received the, the, the offer right away. And I said, well, I'm okay. And then I, I told my, I, I was really happy to, to take, could get the position, uh, but uh, I was also somewhat a bit uh, sad to leave 
uh, the life that I was building in Washington DC. Uh, I was happy to, to do it, and, but also I was like a conflicting emotions, right? And, and then um, I, I started the job remotely, so I was working at Washington with Geneva time. So I would wake up in the middle of the night and work throughout the day, and my day would finish like uh, uh, at noon, and then I will be done <laughs> for the day. So I was doing that for the first months until I finally uh, got, uh, got here to Geneva. And after a month working with them, I realized that I was pregnant. <laughs> so uh, before we left the US, we did this um, tour we drove, because we did a lot of road trips um, in the U.S., because U.S. has a beautiful nature. They mm -hmm. have amazing uh, national parks, they have, in, and they're very so well taken care of. They're very good at making it a pleasant experience. So our first trip uh, during the pandemic, it was we rented an RV, and we went to a national park, and we just uh, went with ourselves. There was no... Uh, cell phone connection, we were just uh, with ourselves and it was an amazing experience. And then we wanted to, wanted to do like a road trip to say goodbye to the US. So we drove from DC to Maine. Mm -hmm. And during that road trip, we made Luna. <laughs> uh, because that's where, that's where we think we made her. And <laughs> because at the end of the road trip in Maine, I took a pregnancy test and I was pregnant. <laughs> so I was like, wow, she, she didn't want to uh, uh, grow up in the US, but she wanted to be made in the US. <laughs> made in the US. <laughs> so we made her there. Uh, and then we went to Dominican Republic uh, with um, 18 pieces of luggage. I tried to, my best to either sell, donate, everything that we, we gathered throughout the, the three years that we lived there. But I mean, it's, at some point, it's, I mean, um, I, can, I can summarize myself in books, shoes, and dresses. That, that could be like my whole luggage. And all of that takes a lot of space, especially uh, books. Uh, so I sent, uh, I, I, I sent a lot of things uh, ahead of us, but at the end I, we, we were with 18 pieces of luggage. We were so much of a scandal that even uh, a stewardess took a picture of us with all the luggage she's because I think she has never seen, because we were only two, right? We were, yeah. Well, we were three, right? Luna was in the belly, but we were only two people like, uh, and <laughs> all this crazy amount of luggage. And I don't think I've ever flown with anything. I, I don't. I don't advise it. I don't advise it. It's just um, for I, for me. It's uh, I did my best, but there's some things that you. I mean, and there were so many things also from the wedding that I I took from the because we got married in Dominican Republic. So I took from the R to to Washington. Then I take. I had to take it back, yeah. including my wedding dress, uh, which uh, was not a small box. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, and then we, we, we stayed uh, uh, about two months in Dominican Republic when I was, you know, um, applying for the visa and all that and getting the footing. And, and then we moved here uh, exactly a year ago, so in August. And no, it was, uh, it was great because uh, I, I moved, I was almost, I think I was like about four months pregnant. And it was like the sweet time, so I didn't have uh, the, the morning sickness as bad, which for me was night sickness, because I don't know why I got sick at night. Not in the morning, it was at night. No, you were it was very special. You were jet lagged. <laughs> I was jet lagged, yeah, it's true. Uh, and, and then uh, we moved here, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I met everyone in person because... Everyone from, who you've been working with. Yeah, yeah, because I was working since May, but it was only throughout the screen. And then to meet everyone in person and, and working in, I work in the traditional knowledge division, which is uh, something uh, very, so beautiful to work with. And, and I, was, um, I was very lucky, I'm always very lucky, I, I'm, I believe, I'm always very lucky because I always find great group of people whenever I, I, I get the opportunity to work. Uh, so uh, at WTO, at the IDB, and now at the WIPO, um, I always get to work with amazing, not only professionals, but also human beings. And I think that's very, very important uh, because once you have a great uh, work environment, you can really excel at your job because you're not struggling or working against. You're just 
enjoying and, yeah. and, and, and driving. And, and that's something that I, I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm very lucky with, with that because I always find a great group of people. And now um, I'm working with, uh, with that. I'm working with, those, uh, with that particular area, which is very interesting, and, and I learn a lot. Uh, and I'm learning more uh, than I'm, than I'm um, providing, right? I think that I'm, I'm, I'm getting more uh, with the work that I'm doing, that I'm giving. So it's something, something very, very nice to have. And yes, I mean, um, during the pandemic also I started my podcast. That yeah, that's you... another thing that I wanted to talk about with this. We're, now we're a few doing podcasts. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was a coping mechanism <laughs> because... Uh, um, I had my blog for for years. I had my blog since uh, since I came back to the from the UK. So it was uh, 2012. Uh, but I was not very much, um, you know, you get caught up in life and you publish here and there. But it was not that active. I, I also had a blog and I found it really time consuming oh, because yes. every post, like I wanted it to be perfect mm -hmm. and. Well, it's never perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's never and perfect. And even when you read it again, like a few months, you're like, No, oh, I, I, I don't go back to read my old post. It's I, something I do use from time to time, and I, I realize, oh, my God. You're going to edit it. No, yeah. no, no, don't do it. Don't do but, it. <laughs> but it was, it was a great experience when I, I did a post, uh, blog on, on cinema, mm -hmm. which I also want to continue doing, but it just it just takes too much time. Yeah, it is very time consuming. And, mm. and, but the idea that I have in my blog, I translated into the podcast because I wanted to make intellectual property approachable. I, I didn't want to make it IP is for lawyers. No, IP is for everyone. We are all creative beings. Mm. So we all have a great creative capacity and we need to know how to protect what we create. So that's the idea that I had in the blog and that's the idea that I translate in the podcast. Like, you need, you need to make all these great concepts approachable because it's, we can talk about uh, with great length about IP law, about the theory, about all that, about, which is very, very interesting, but at the end, it's not going to reach its goal because IP is to further development and the way you do it is by people using it and understanding how to use it. Yeah. Uh, so with that, I did the, the podcast trying to make it entertaining, <laughs> as entertaining law can be. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I found great, uh, great guests, including yourself. Yeah, I was a guest. And mm -hmm. actually, I, I said something in that podcast that people up to now, like, tell me. I said ah. something about the arbitration center of WIPO being the Rolex of the main name provider. <laughs> And even until now, like some people tell me about that. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. So you get quote. You yeah. Get <laughs> I don't know if I, I should have said that, but <laughs> oh, but uh, I I listened to the podcast and not my episode, but <laughs> but I think that it's I think that from what you are describing, I think that you are you are delivering on on your goal because it does make uh, intellectual property approachable. And it can be there for those who are inside uh, the intensive IP, but mm -hmm. even to those who are outside. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, um, it's you know, it's a it's a challenge. Every episode is it comes with challenges, but I, I do it with a lot of passion. Yeah. As has you, as you do it with your podcast as well. It's something that uh, it stays with you. It's and and when you meet people that enjoy it, that talk to, that comment you about it, you feel like well. At least there's one person. That, that's actually, <laughs> thank you for saying that because that's actually all I want. I, <laughs> I don't care if, uh, I care because maybe it brings better, like more mm -hmm. prominent guests that would come to do my podcast. Mm -hmm. But if only one person listens to it, then I'm well yeah. served. Yeah, that's true. It's just like, well done. <laughs> yeah. uh, another thing that I wanted to mention, and uh, this is the last one, <laughs> is you're also a, a domain name panelist. Yes. No? Like to me, doing decisions is one of the most rewarding things. Mm -hmm. I don't know if, how you feel about it. Um, well, first, I'm no longer a panelist okay. because I, I work for WIPO now. Uh, but in the moment when I was uh, in private practice, when I was a practitioner, I was a, a panelist. Uh, and it was, it was uh, the way to put into practice why I researched in my thesis. Because I did my thesis on domain name and trademark. And then I, I found out about the panelists uh, 
uh, position and I sent an email asking, can I apply to be a panelist? And Whiteboard replied, yes, you can apply. Uh, and they gave me the process and I did the process. And when I got the, the, the appointment, I was, uh, for me, it was a, a beautiful surprise because I was, very, I, was very, I was in my 20s still back then. So I was very young and I was, I was like, oh my God, this is, this is great. <laughs> and then when I got my, my first case, it was, I, I felt like, okay, I didn't get to be a, a, a judge. A judge. But this is the best thing in the world to be I able agree. to uh, read the argument from one side, read the argument from the other side, and make make your uh, uh, like see how to apply the the um, the policy in this case. It's 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 no, it's 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 so rewarding because you really feel like you're you're making things happen. Yeah. And I I decided uh, uh, quite a few cases, and for me was was an amazing. It's too bad that I cannot do it anymore. Uh, but it's something that I, I I enjoy so much to do. It was it was great. It was great. I, I it was really um, uh, an experience that uh, um, reaffirmed my love for intellectual property and 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 my my passion for uh, making a difference. Because you really even if you people say, well, it's just a domain name. It's like you really make a difference yeah. because when you when you see the the kind of um, um, cases that come that they have a, a, a background. There's so there's people, business affected, and all that behind it. You're really making a change when you make yeah. a decision. Some of the cases, like even they tell you their life story, yeah. <laughs> which has you, happened. In, yeah, and those and, and, are the ones that I actually I I want to be even more like extra careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like You can you can change someone's life. Exactly, and then they they tell you how they brought the business, how everything they did, and how they struggle, and then and you 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 carry them in your heart yeah. after that. It's yeah. so yeah yeah yeah. I completely uh, agree. And from all, from all the cases I decided, I only decided one uh, from Dominican Republic. So one uh, dot d o, uh, and it was um, a case that. It really uh, marked me because it, there was a lot of uh, backstory behind it, and there was a, a, a very interesting uh, legal case um, um, on it. And I really, I, I really immersed myself in that case. So it was, it was also a very, very. Um, it was. I hope it was a good outcome from what I decided. But yeah, I mean, it's. I I remember all my cases with with, with great. Uh, but fondly, fondly, it, it was uh, it was a great uh, time in my life, and I maybe after I retire from uh, from uh, my uh, being an international um, um, agent, uh, I can, can go, go back. back. <laughs> well, Leticia, it has been great talking to you. Thank you for sharing like those uh, personal stories, which I also have like my own personal story, and it mirrors a lot of what you were saying. So it was refreshing <laughs> to to hear it. And like they, as you mentioned, the idea of your podcast, the idea of my podcast is to hear the stories like behind uh, some of the professionals working here in Geneva. So I think that you delivered like beyond that. <laughs> so thank you very much. It was great talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. This was the World Alpha Rivas Project. I hope you loved it. And you dig it.